heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today. It's Friday morning, the 17th of February. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, a tragedy in Cloncurry and our thoughts are with the families. Um, just We're going to talk with Susan McDonald very shortly about that, but just absolutely horrific. I do want to shout out a big, big shout out to everybody from the government, uh, Matt Canavan especially. Uh, they have now acknowledged that they are going to put a hold on closures, of bank closures, why there is a Senate inquiry. Um, the bank closures have obviously been causing a lot of grief and Westpac have come out and have said, you know what, we're going to put a hold on it. The NAB have said they're going to continue to do so. But I would say to Matt Canavan, thank you for creating this Senate inquiry into the banks and the closures and the reshaping of their branch network. It's quite interesting to see that though some aren't even taking the bait. But... To Westpac's credit, they've put it on hold while this inquiry goes on. They've listened, and I appreciate that, and thank you for me. Good morning to everybody through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning. Let's have a look at this. We're going to obviously try and get in contact with Gary Edwards. A huge night last night in Longreach as they've come clean with exactly who is behind them, and you will be surprised. Gary Edwards, I think, will get him very shortly. Susan McDonald joins us. We're going to talk about the Lachlan Hughes Foundation. We'll get a snapshot of Emerald as well with Matty Beard. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Susan McDonald up next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Friday morning, the 17th of February, and we'll start with our usual Friday. Uh, it is Senator Susan McDonald joining us this morning. And, Senator, good morning, it, it, it really rung home the tragedy that occurred out of Cloncurry. Two miners were killed in an underground disaster and it has a ripple effect for a community. Uh, the Dougal River mine in Cloncurry uh, is now a crime scene as such from an absolute tragedy where two, two, two miners fell in their ute 15 metres down a void. Just a shocking, shocking set of circumstances. And these bush towns, they really, really hurt with these kind of tragedies. Well, good morning, Ben. And you're absolutely right because uh, particularly in the West, but right across Queensland, everyone knows someone who's on swings, who are going out to to mine to do the incredibly important work that we need to uh, to build our yeah, our resources sector, but more importantly, these blokes are there because it's an opportunity for them to earn some serious money and to build a life with their family. So to have them taken, you know, so tragically is very hard felt by people right across the state. But I know the mayor, uh, Greg Campbell, was talking about, you know, these are these are people that are in our communities, in our country, that we, you know, everybody feels very, very sad. I think everybody had hoped and prayed that the outcome might have been different. But, um, you know, our hearts go out to their families, uh, to their friends, uh, to the, the company and everybody who knew and worked with these men. And, um, you know, I think a little part of our heart is breaking today because, you know, we all know somebody else who's going out to uh, to mine somewhere today. 
There will be questions obviously asked and in due course. And, I mean, some of the early reports that we are reading is that the area that – the particular area that they were mining, and this is a quote from one of the other workers, says it's extremely tricky. And this was quoted out of the Courier-Mail and it, it, it is treacherous. Um, and so when you, when you hear areas of this like that, they're going to look at obviously – Safety, but the mining industry has um, had number of improvements in safety, especially with underground mining. Although it's still relatively dangerous, and we forget that we forget, we just forget how dangerous this job is. Now, I am not in any way saying, but every day we think, oh, people fly and fly out workers. These miners are risking their lives. There's no two ways about it. It is a dangerous, dangerous industry. They've got great levels of safety, but we've Remember that you're dealing with the Earth's core, and a, a thing like this could happen any time where ground just gives way. Well, Ben, I, I, you know, I perhaps wouldn't describe it quite as quite as much as that. Yes, there is danger in the job, as there is danger in agriculture and in sure. driving to work every day. That is a part of our lives, and I think the mining industry and miners, uh, you know, that's why they have toolboxes every morning. That's why they talk about safety. They are trying oh, there's to no question about that their culture. Yep. And and you know so so I, I hear exactly what you're saying that there is uh, there is risk and what they do it involves big machinery and and um, uh, and and you know tricky ore bodies and all of those things but um, you know I think that it is also an industry that takes these things very seriously and you know there will be an investigation into this about exactly what happened I know that uh, right around Australia and probably the world there'll be companies looking to see how can they improve what they do. Um, but I just think today we're thinking about the families of these blokes and the friends and saying we wish that this was different because, you know, at the moment, all that their families and friends are thinking about, the great people that they've lost. Yeah, very, very true. Now, can we just move on? A, a, a tragedy there in Cloncurry will be felt. I woke this morning and, and I know a lot of our listeners, it's a really polarising thing, 2023. 2032 Olympic Games is obviously happening in Brisbane. A deal has been struck uh, for a seven billion billion. I'm talking dollars major project um, rebuild of the Gabba, a new stadium in Brisbane in Roma Street around Roma Street Station, and also existing um, facilities. Anthony Albanese will be in Brisbane today. And he will do a 50-50 split. So the coalition will contribute $3.4 billion to the state government's build of rebuilding these major stadiums. That's all well and good. That's great. But wouldn't you have thought their $3.4 billion, a bit of that would have gone into the health system to try and improve it? I, I understand their need for the Olympics. I get it. I get it. But what I don't understand is the money and the way that they throw money around. $3.4 billion is a hell of a lot of money for a stadium um, to contribute to the state government when we have so many issues on the table, whether it be crime, health, the Alice Spring fiasco, roads, federal roads is the biggest one, yet that money is going towards a stadium in the Gabba, like, at the Gabba. I, I, I am – are concerned that there is just a real lack of understanding of what is needed in northern Australia and rural Queensland. 
Oh, well, Ben, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's been a long-held tradition from the Roman Caesars right through that uh, when uh, when uh, leaders want to keep the population quiet, when they don't want them to think about how how tough they're doing, uh, skyrocketing rocketing cost of living, interest rates, cost of fuel, cost of energy, cost of uh, insurance, all of those things going through the roof, that, uh, that what you would do is distract people by holding up a shiny new stadium over here and, and, um, and trying to distract people from the serious issues that need to be addressed. So I agree, you know, this is not the time to be pouring money into those projects, which, by the way, the people in South Brisbane and around the Gabba, they don't want, I've been very clear, it's going to have big impacts on the on the local high school. Um, the Premier is gouging mining companies in Queensland. They're paying five times the royalty rates that they are in New South Wales. It's not fair. Um, she is, it, you know, there, there does not need to be more money coming from the federal government. There are terrific uh, opportunities to improve sporting facilities, you know, in Ipswich, in uh, the North Coast, in other oh. places. Um, but this is a distraction from the fact that the government is out of control on the things that people are concerned about, which is cost of living, uh, investment into mines and agriculture and other important projects to ensure that we have got jobs, that our kids have got jobs in well-paid, profitable, successful, world-leading companies and projects. Uh, food security, where's the water projects for North Queensland? Uh, where's the, the Bruce Highway Road so that they're not cut every time it rains yeah. uh, between Townsville and Cairns? Not and, important. And it's not important. I mean, it, let alone look at the, the the rising interest rates that are like it, it is crippling families. I mean, myself alone, and, and I can only speak for myself. My variable rate on my loan has gone from one point eight eight, right, um, fixed, which I'd fixed it for three years, and I come out at a variable rate, and and I understand that at five point seven four per annum. And I mean, I just I just think to myself, what what is going on? How can this be? Well, that's exactly right, Ben. You know, this is you're talking about it. There are families right across Queensland that are talking about it. But what's the Prime Minister talking about? Well, he's talking about shiny new stadiums, billions of dollars that could go into making sure that there are uh, maternity nurses and doctors at Gladstone Hospital so that women are not going to have not just their babies, but every checkup they're having to drive up to. A drive to Rocky, you know, this is this is unbelievable. In the first world country that we have, uh, that you can't get in to see a doctor, that you are um, can't get health um, services. You know, these are the very serious issues and problems that we have. That's where money should be going at the moment, building a better society, a better way to live for the people who are doing the work, the people who are doing FIFO into mines, the people who are out on farms in the heat, growing food, making sure that we've got food security for this country and for a lot of our neighbours, they're the things that we should be focusing on. I just think this is a reflection of a government that is so out of touch, so ideology, uh, ideological, they are not focusing on Australians and what we need and the things that will make our lives better, not just now, but into the future. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I tweet that came from your leader in David Littleproud uh, overnight, and I know this will ring true with you, and, and obviously very, very scary. 
National farmers have come out and actually said that we need 172,000 extra workers in the agricultural industry to get food onto the plates. Now, Labor have offered 42,000 from the Palm Scheme. So why would Penny Wong and the Labor government abolish the ag visa and reject offers from countries to send workers here? I, I don't get it. We're now paying more for our food than we were ever paid in the past, yet there's a solution that they don't want to know about. Well, this is exactly right, Ben, and it has been clearly laid out before the election, uh, during the election. David Littleproud had done a huge amount of work on pushing and shoving and making sure that the cities understood that regional Australia needed more workers, need more workers to do the important job in agriculture. Now, Labor could not get their heads around the fact that there are skilled people in agriculture in our near neighbours right around the sector whether it be Indonesia, people who've had experience in feedlots and, uh, and um, cropping, whether it be Vietnam, um, the, you know, the Philippines, all of these countries that have uh, skills and people who are desperate to come to Australia for the well-paid jobs and to assist Australia in what it's doing. Yeah, Instead, Labor only has one solution, and that's the PALM scheme. The Pacific Island, uh, Islanders are great people, and they are part of the solution. But we are only looking at half the solution. There's only about 40,000 people uh, identified with visas. They're now talking about bringing in permanent residents from the from the Pacific Islands to fill the gap. But, you know, there's just not enough people, not enough skills. We should be mobilising the ag visa that David, David Littleproud introduced to allow these, these semi-skilled and skilled agricultural workers to come here every season. We rely on people coming from Canada and the US broad-scale um, ag places to uh, drive uh, big machinery. You know, we need people to help. We don't have the population. It's very seasonal work. Labor doesn't understand it. They, they get stuck in their heads about, you know, there's only one solution. And what they'll keep quoting to you is exploitation in the agricultural industry. I'm devastated because the AWU did a whole campaign on don't send your people to Australia because they'll be exploited. And isn't that outrageous? Because we have a, a bad egg and a bad apple in the barrel, which that's human nature. There'll always be somebody who does the wrong thing. Our job is to find those people as industries and pull them up and say, no, you're out. You don't yeah. get to yeah, get yeah. to bring people in anymore. But the rest of the sector doesn't have to suffer because you're right, there's crops. Uh, rotting on trees. Yeah. There's there's people, farmers, not planting uh, because they know they're not going to be able to get the crops off. I mean, how ridiculous is that situation? So, you know, I'm just adding it to the list of things that I feel like every time I talk to you, Ben, I sound so negative. I'm banging on about they don't understand this, they don't do that. But that's just the world we live in, is that of the, of the 700 years of experience sitting around the cabinet table and in the parliament from Labor, only four years of that is somebody who's worked in small business, in run a small business. Yeah. So these are people who don't understand risk. They don't understand putting your life on the line with a mortgage to back your business, to have to find the money every week to pay your workforce, to worry about it. are you going to be good enough to get you know income through the door, uh, to, to want to grow something for yourself and for your family to believe in opportunity, not just to be locked into, 
you know, this this square little box that that Labor you know lives and understands. So I'm sorry. I feel like I'm no, very I, negative, I, I absolutely it, it 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 resonated with me because everywhere I'm going, I'm hearing the same thing time and time again that we are in a position where we really need to make some change. Interesting to see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks. We've got to run. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us this morning um, and our thoughts to everybody in your neck of the woods where you are born and bred in Cloncurry with that tragedy uh, occurring with two miners passing away, uh, being found late yesterday afternoon and tragically their lives are lost. Uh, We'll take a break. Senator, great to chat. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks very much, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break. This is Rural Queensland Today. It's Friday morning, the 17th of January, across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back. Matty Beard joins us um, right now from RBV Rural, and obviously uh, almost 1,900 head in Emerald yesterday for their fortnightly sale. Matt, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Morning, Dobbo. How was the market, mate? Really solid, Dobbo. We had the perfect clash there yesterday between the restocker grazier and also the feedlot operation. So, mind you, the essentials had a fantastic running season. The, it, you've got to drive a long way to get back out of the good country. And the week of warm weather's hardened this feed right up. So, cattle couldn't be doing any better at the moment. Yeah, it's an amazing thing when things start rolling like they do. Um, and we, we talk about the market. How was the prime job? Um, obviously, that cow job's had a lot, uh, a lot uh, of stuff that's going on. Interested, Dolby's cheapened a little bit. How did it hold up in Emerald? Look, Emerald had a bit of a positive sort of a day. You've probably got to read in it a bit more as well. Like we had a better offer in a Bullocks this week, so obviously our Bullocks were 10 cents dearer. Uh, a heavy cow over 520 kilos remained fairly similar, but our light end cows was a lot dearer. And that was probably due to the fact that we had two or three of those smaller processes there yesterday uh, really helping that job along. Yeah, and you're right. Um, it, it does help, doesn't it? Um, and it's such a – when you've got grass and it's hardened and you've got those stories, there's always going to be competition for them. How was the store job, mate? Very solid there. Sort of those 100-day feed-on steers there got out to sort of $4.30. That, but that's the real clash between the restocker and the feedlot operation. But generally, a lot of those heavy feeder cattle into that 370s and 80s marks. But it's really that three to 400-kilo steer that, you know, they got out to nearly 5 bucks. Uh, to average, you know, in the very high three, so it was very positive for the day. Uh, little wieners up over the 533, and also some of those restocker heifers going back to the paddock as much as sort of $4.50. Yeah, awesome. Um, that's a strong market. Obviously, there's some real, there's some real, not holes, but th- there is some gaps in this job across the state. Um, is there concern in the central? Oh, look, in the immediate future, I don't think there's any major concern. I, I think I think everyone would really love to see southern Queensland and northern New South Wales get wet, and that would benefit everyone's market, of course, but we'll just have to be content with what we've got. Yeah, it, it's just quite unbelievable, this market at the moment anyway. It is rolling along. Um, Numbers-wise in the paddock, are they there, or a lot of people are sitting on their hands at the moment? I think there's a lot of people there with cattle at the present time. They're just waiting for – they've got plenty of options at the moment. So in the central, there's no mad rush to get your cattle sold if you don't have to uh, or you don't like the money. So there's plenty of grass alternatives. So, But there is a, there is quite a few there stacked uh, and, and waiting. But, um, but look, your people are in no rush. And we've seen quite a few people that have transitioned into that selling that 100-day feed-on steer to now saying, well, my cattle might be a little bit content-y. I don't like the feed-on price. We'll hold those through to slaughter weights. 
Yeah, that's the way it's going. Appreciate your time. Property market, um, obviously there's a few properties changing hand at the moment, which is exciting. Yeah, it is. Look, we've got a really good uh, uh, breeder block going for auction on the 10th of March, right in, 17,000 acres. Uh, it'll go up for auction there as well. And also a mixed farming block, Glendarable there, 30 k's west of Emerald. With about 4,000 acres of cultivation, it'll go under the hammer on the 31st of March. Yeah, nice. I really appreciate it, and I think that's going well, mate. Uh, Emerald Auction Centre, how's it rolling, mate? How did it go? Good, thanks, Dollar. We had a sale wound up on Monday, so we'll line up for our next auction on the 14th to the 17th of April. So bookings are open now, and uh, we'll start recataloging. Unbelievable. Really appreciate your time. Matty Beard from RBV Rural, appreciate your time this morning, mate. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great weekend. And that job's just rolling along beautifully at the moment, the Emerald uh, Cattle Market. Very, very strong as we speak. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Dobbo. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Back to rural Queensland today. Uh, look, we're going to go straight to Longreach, and obviously last night was a pretty significant night. Um, the AAM Investment Group put together their bid um, uh, in front of the township um, and Longreach residents for the proposal moving forward of the Longreach Pastoral College. Gary Edwards joins us this morning from AAM Investment Group. How are you, mate? Great, Ben. Um, Great to be at Longreach. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. Um, as the managing director of AAM, it, it, you you went to Longreach with a plan, full transparency, made it well known that you'd secured the support of Australian Country Choice ACC, Cleveland Ag, um, obviously big operators, Consolidated Pastoral Company, the Kerr family, Georgina Pastoral, Hewitt Cattle Australia, MDH, Morton Co and Napco. And you also said it's open, but that is an unbelievable uh, conglomerate of pastoral companies and agricultural companies in Queensland and Australia. And you've been very clear that obviously to the township that you're genuine that it is an open door policy. The more, the merrier. Well, that's exactly right, uh, Ben. And, and we've had a number of local companies reach out, and we're here in town meeting with them this morning about how we can help them uh, and what they're trying to do. We're also expecting uh, that by you know Tuesday or Wednesday next week, we hope to have uh, some more names added to that list. I mean, it's tremendous the support that the consortium in collaborating and working together. You know, and, and and when you sit there with uh, with those companies and and you put these concepts up, and you know, in the course of a meeting, there's unanimous agreement on what to do, and it's the right thing to do. That shows the integrity of all of those companies and the families and people that work within them. Yeah. But that's why we want to encourage any other companies that want to get on board. You don't have to be a, a beef cattle producer uh, to do this. This is open to anyone who wants to see a future in agriculture and agriculture front. How was it received and what were the numbers like from the public in Longreach last night? Well, at the start of the meeting, mate, we, I counted that there were 52 faces uh, sitting in the audience listening and more people continue to come in after that, so I didn't get a final tally sure, as to where sure. it's at. That's but huge. Ultimately, That's huge. Yeah, mate, it, it just shows how important this is. But ultimately, you know, the, the interaction, and we obviously spent a couple of hours there discussing it and you know, probably an hour and a half of those two hours uh, answering questions sure. uh, from locals and, and businesses and you know, people that are passionate about their community and just really don't want to see this asset lost. But, they, you know, when you sit there and you, you talk with these people, you understand the passion that they've got to work with it. They just needed some help in trying to sorting out the funding. I think it's a credit to yourself and your company and obviously the, the men and women that work at AAM – 
investments to actually, and I understand that these other businesses, and they are leading businesses. You talk about some of the names like, you know, like Malcolm Harris and Cleveland Ag, you know, Consolidated. We, we, we saw it with Troy Setter. We know the Kerr family very well. Georgina, the Scott family. We know Michael Hewitt and Ben, what they're doing. Um, the McDonald family, Charlie Mort, you know, Napco. We know exactly the, the calibre of these companies and these people. But the fact is that that you were able to sell the vision, and and it, it is a it's a we were literally just talking about the the shortage. David Littleproud's quoted the number as one hundred and seventy two thousand workers short here in the agricultural sector, and the Labor government can only come up with seventy two thousand in the Palm scheme. What you're putting forward is that this is the hub. This will be where we educate and train the men and women who want to make a choice and go into agriculture, and there's a pathway there. There is a pathway for the kids. And it also, it does wonderful things for the economy of Longridge and surrounding areas. And whether people like it or not, it is a fantastic initiative because everybody prospers from it. And we're just training men and women and giving them a pathway. That's the that's the greatest thing. We're investing in our future, which is the youth. Well, well importantly, Ben, it, it also extends beyond just what we do with people directly in the farming because the, the facilities that is at the uh, Longreach Pastoral College, is really set up that you can do very easily hospitality training courses. Sure. We can be training meat workers at the, at the meat processing facility that's out there. We can use this place in so many different ways to what it's been envisaged in the past, but it takes some effort, and that's why you know, I'm so utterly impressed by the, the nine uh, partners, if you like, that have come on board initially, and that's why we want to bring other people on because this is not about any one company. This is about what we need to do as a collective outcome for agriculture and for all the service businesses in regional Australia. Mark Ferner is the next sticking point in a way because you'd like to see the Ag Minister endorse this, you know, be a part of this, even though that their government were the ones that ripped the guts out of it. I'd also be interested to know where did Ag Force sit with this? They would have had representatives there. Have they backed it and and got in behind this? Ag Force have been exceptional. They they certainly did have representatives there. And, and if you're an Ag Force member and you're on the Ag Force communications list, I suspect that you're going to get a communication today that uh, gives you an opportunity where it doesn't require you to financially support this, but it, it gives you the opportunity to support what we're trying to do out here sure. and show how important this is. Yep. You know, as far as the government's concerned, you know, ultimately, from the 24th of February, it's over to them. And once we put the submission in, uh, the government gets to consider what they'd like to do uh, and how they'd like to move forward and whether they would like to partake in some way of uh, helping support what we do here. Because importantly, and what has been demonstrated, is that businesses in agriculture are prepared to put their money where their mouth is. Now, I said the other day, put up or shut up. Well, businesses are clearly doing that. Families are clearly doing that. And it gives the government the opportunity, should they wish to, to get on board. Yeah, well, I think they will be. Um, And as you say, from the 24th, they need to make a decision. And this decision to me is very, very clear cut. They need to go this way. Can I ask this, Gary, and I don't want to get too much into the logistics, Crystal ball me, you win the bid. How long would it be next year, the start of beginning of next year, that we'd see it back operational? Would that be, would that be a timeline, or is that too soon? No, we're, we're hoping that by early twenty twenty four, so the, the you know I guess this time next year, yeah, that we would have 
you know, the first training courses, particularly short courses, going through because obviously sure. part of the commitment from you know the, the companies and families that are involved in this consortium are, are out there to make this work, and we all have a need to train our staff and make sure that you know they have all the safety aspects that we, we need to ensure that they have these days. And this is a perfect way to start. So it, it is hoped that we'll be doing that uh, at the college. If, if we can get access to the college sooner rather than later because we've got some work to do this year sure. in order to have it ready to receive people. I guess the other people, and I want to make sure that they are acknowledged um, in our group there, are the Hughes family. They have been tremendous supporters of this initiative. Uh, and, you know, it's just great to have those families reaching out and jumping on board uh, as part of this process. Yeah, well said. Um, let's wait till next week. Um, and I and I don't want to be negative, but I, I think this is one of the great things and initiative, and it shows from private enterprise what happens from Australians that love agriculture and want to see the survival um, of this industry and see it prosper. That is why these things take place. AAM Managing Director uh, Gary Edwards, twice in a week, mate. We've been honoured. Appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the trip back from Longreach. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Ben. Good on you, Gary Edwards. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Friday morning, the 17th of February, across Rural Queensland Today. Um, The Lachlan Hughes Foundation uh, is very dear to my heart. Um, Lachlan was a business partner of mine, um, and Philip and Adele and Alistair and Lachlan and Anna, we started Rangeland Quality Meets together, and it was – quite unbelievable um, when this absolute tragedy happened and Lachlan Hughes remains in everybody's heart still to this day. But one of the shining lights that came out of this absolute tragedy was the Lachlan Hughes Foundation. Coordinator for the foundation is Barb Bishop and she joins us this morning uh, in its fourth year um, Barb, I, I can't believe we're into year four of this foundation program. Just quite unbelievable. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Ben. Oh. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it is hard to believe that we're up to our fourth group in the in the foundation program. So it's a, a highly coveted um, um, and obviously this year um, there's been 10 participants selected. So it's a little different from what has happened in years gone by. Can you talk us through how this program has evolved um, since its infancy and, and who are the, the people involved this year? Yes. So in the previous three years, it's been a, a single scholarship where we've had one scholar selected each year um, that has, you know, been mentored by Philip and, and helped through their project work on their Regen Ag journey. Um, and I guess one of the things that was happening there, Philip always felt really sorry for the people who missed out in that process and often voluntarily just went and gave them some help. So we decided that we needed to include more people. And so this year we launched the program, which is a 12-month program where we could take between six and 10 participants and, and put them through a program of workshops and project work. Yeah, and, and that is typical of Philip and Adele and, and Anna, and, and I should have mentioned Jules there with Alistair. I'm really sorry, Jules. Um, but um, uh, it, it, that, that they are so inclusive um, and that they don't want to see people miss out because they are so pan- 
passionate about regenerative agriculture. They are all in on this and it was one of Lachlan's biggest passions and he'd convinced everybody. Um, you only had to have a, a, a five-minute conversation with Lachlan to know that things are and can be different and these 10 uh, participants now in this program, uh, they are very lucky because they are all going to be connected. Who, who are the 10 that are involved in this year's program? So we have Will and Sasha Talor, and they're from uh, west of, of Charleville. Yep. And uh, Tony Rissman is from Gundawindi. And then we've got Sam Hart and Alina Rasmussen from Blackhall. Yep. Um, Sam Kelly is from South Australia, so he's our first interstate participant, so we're looking forward to moving to South Australia for, for him. Um, Neil and Janadel Renke, they're from near Gladstone. Yep. Now, we've got Anna uh, herself is, is wanting to be a part of the program this year, and so she will be a participant, but she'll also be a reviewer. Because we're running this as a pilot, we need, and so she'll represent the board as a reviewer in the program. And, you know, we're very fortunate in, in the foundation that we have a lot of supporters and, and one of those supporters is the Queensland Trust for Nature. And so Ben Heathwood will join us as well on the program as a supporter reviewer of the program also. I love the fact that Anna um, is doing this as well. I mean, she was, she, her and Lachlan were the ones, the drivers, and so that even though she's going to review it, she's part of this program as well. Um yeah, it just yeah, it's just unbelievable that she she's able to do this, and 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 I just think for everybody, I mean, so it's underway now um, with the participants. Yeah. When how long does this program go for before you look at it and review? So our celebration event will be in February next year. So we I've met with the group once last week, and we meet again next week, and then they'll do their first workshop in in March, which we're doing all our workshops at Jalaka, um, and then we'll do a second workshop in May, and then a, a third one in July, and then they they are actually on their journey of of getting on with their project work and and being able to work with their mentors and supporters and myself uh, through to February 2024 where we will have a celebration and, and one of the things that will happen there is that they'll present the work that they've done during the 12 months on their project and we'll have an independent panel who will actually will then award one of those 10 people or one of those because uh, we've got couples but somebody in that group will win the Tree, uh, tree of Life Award which will give them a study tour uh, to to continue on the program, their, their work on the program. I, I love this um, and I think this is just a phenomenal thing and, it, and it's so great. Um, Barb, we'll keep in contact with you because obviously this is something that, that's going, going to happen and obviously we're going to talk to a lot of people um, throughout this and as these um, programs and this program evolves and the participants are already um, working and going through their program. So I'm looking forward to seeing who actually comes out on top and I just love the fact that this is happening um, and yes, that we can yes. that we can just absolutely honour Lachlan. Um, one of the best, one of the best. It's a, a real privilege yeah. for, for myself to be the coordinator but also uh, for, for each of those people to have that opportunity. It's, it's a privilege and, and we look forward to, you know, including them in, into the foundation family which is growing every year. Yeah, it, it, it's such a great thing, and this is just this foundation is just prospering. 
thank you so much for being with us this morning. And and look, a, a great list of young candidates and um, just people working in agriculture who are a part of it. Thank you so much, Barb, coordinator for the Lachlan Hughes Foundation. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. That's it from us here this morning on Rural Queensland today. Have a great weekend, Queensland, and we're back on Monday morning from 9 o'clock. Ray Hadley to join you next. Till next time from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, it's bye for now.